1: Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy and ADF, the Alliance Defending Freedom. Here's a piece yours truly hosted that I trust you will enjoy. When Josh Hawley won the United States Senate seat in Missouri, he is from the Show Me State. It was like the Browns draft in Baker Mayfield. The talent pool on the Republican side just got deep. And uh, so he'll make some rookie mistakes. But this Stanford grad, Yale law grad, former Mike McConnell clerk, who along with Ludic are the two best former judges in America, and law clerk to Chief Justice Roberts went on to the Judiciary Committee and just upped the ante entirely. He and Ted Cruz sit back there and they cite each other. They blue book each other. Uh, Josh Hawley, Senator, welcome. Great to have you on the program.
2: Thanks so much for having me. Great to be with you.
1: Are you having fun yet?
2: Uh, Yes, I am. Yes, I am. There's a tremendous amount of work to do, and I'm excited.
1: Okay, I want to talk judges with you. Uh, 37 Court of Appeals judges, 53 district court judges, but the Democrats are playing slow ball. Sung Min Kim reported yesterday that next week you're going to use the Reed rule. The Republican majority, led by Mitch McConnell, is going to use the Reed rule to change the rules on the amount of time of debate for nominees. Do you support that?
2: Yeah, I do, 100%. The Democrats have abused this process to no end, Hugh. I mean, they're forcing 30 hours of debate. Of course, and, you know, what the Senate means by debate is just an empty floor. I mean, you go to the floor of the Senate, where's the debate? I mean, it's sitting there 30 hours for every nominee, not just judges now, every nominee that the president has made. The president still doesn't have most of or many of the spots in his executive agencies filled. Why? Because the Democrats have been stalling, stonewalling, filibustering every single nominee. We've got to change that.
1: Now, we also, I'm focusing on judges, though. We've confirmed 37, we, meaning the forces of right, truth, justice, and the American way, have confirmed two Supreme Court justices, 37 appeals court judges, 53 district court judges. Is that enough?
2: Well, no. I mean, there's lots more to do. I mean, there's over 100. In fact, I think it's 150 vacancies who still, on the courts of appeals and the federal district courts, and if this is just a generational turning point for the judiciary, Lots and lots of judges are retiring because of their age. And we're just at one of those tipping points. It's a huge opportunity and a huge responsibility to get pro-Constitution, rule of law judges on the court. And this is one of the most important things that we can do in the next two years.
1: Now, there are five appeals court judges, Mr. Blanco, Mr. Park for the Second Circuit, Mr. Bress, Mr. Collins, Mr. Lee for the Ninth Circuit. I need those Ninth Circuit justices, Senator Hawley. When are they going to come up for a vote?
2: No, I hope I hope as soon as possible. I mean, I hope the Judiciary Committee will continue to move judges through at a very brisk pace. And there are other Ninth Circuit nominees, Hugh, as you know, who have not yet been brought up for a hearing even in the Judiciary Committee. And uh, I'm hopeful that we can get uh, those to a hearing very, very soon. I mean, as you say, the Ninth Circuit is a disaster. I mean, it has been a, a disaster for years and years and years. We have an opportunity now to get some good constitutionalist judges on that circuit and we need to put the pedal to the metal and uh, make every effort that we can.
1: There are also judges for the Court of Claims and the US Tax Court and the US Court of Appeals for Veterans Claims and the United States Court of Military Commission Review. I mean, this is why the rule has to change. They're not they're not allowing President Trump to staff Article 3 and Article 1 judges and as a result there's a breakdown across the United States. You'd think Josh Hawley, you're a lawyer's lawyer. And, and you understand how important this is. It's not fair to the litigants of America not to hear their cases.
2: Well, it, it is very it's dangerous to have this many vacancies go open for long periods of time because it does degrade the ability of the courts to, to function effectively. And, uh, you know, this is particularly true. I mean, it matters at the appellate court level a heck of a lot. The district court level, where we have even more vacancies, that's the trial court level. I mean, that's those judges are in the trenches. Those are the work of day. They're they're doing. They're seeing the litigants. They're holding the trials. They're doing the settlements. They're seeing it every single day. And we just got to get the courts staffed up, and we've got to get them staffed up with constitutionalist judges. So yes, this rule needs to change. Uh, the leadership in the Senate, Republican leadership, had to file at the end of filibuster, 128 times on different nominees in the last Congress, 128 times. That's a record by, like, times 10 for a two-year period. That shows you how the Democrats are abusing this process, and we've got to put a stop to it.
1: Let me talk with you, Senator, about a sensitive subject uh, between Article One, which is the first article of the Congress, and Article Three, the Judiciary. You don't control the Judiciary unless you impeach someone, but there are at least two judges on the appeals courts of every circuit who are eligible for senior status. I'm writing a piece for the Washington Post today urging them to put up their hand and take that senior status so the bench can be renewed. What is your opinion?
2: Well, you know, it's a good question. It's always it's, it's up to the judge. The judge has quite a bit of discretion there. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, it, it is a lifetime appointment, and they do have these other you know, different rules you allude to, and you will probably spell this out in the piece about when someone becomes eligible for senior status and at what point they have to take it. I do think that, you know, judges who consider themselves constitutionalists should think long and hard about this opportunity that we have right now. You have a Republican president who is very committed, President Trump is very committed to putting constitutionalist judges on the bench and you do have a Senate majority now and a stronger one than we had two in the last two years. So this is a this is an important moment here in this window we just don't know how long it will be open. I mean, I think the president's going to be reelected. What will the Senate majority be in two years? I, I don't know. I mean, you just can't bank on these things. So you've got you've to make hay while the sun shines, as my grandfather used to say. So uh, I think judges who are eligible for senior status ought to take a long, hard look at this and think about what they can do, as you put it, uh, to help us uh, renew uh, the judiciary and to make sure we get uh, pro-Constitution judges for another generation onto the court.
1: Now, I, I understand some r- will miss being part of en banc panels. That's really the only difference, is that when you go senior status, so you want to work five days a week, you can. I clerked for two senior status judges on the D.C. Circuit. You clerked for a, an active duty judge, but that's the only difference. You're not eligible for en banc. But you take a, an oath to protect and defend the Constitution, and your coming and your going is governed by that oath. And I really believe if you are... An originalist, a constitutionalist, a rule law judge, and there is this runway ahead of us. They have to raise their hand by the end of uh, June if there's going to be enough time in the next 15 months to fill the circuit court of appeals vacancies.
2: Yeah, it is. And you're right to point out the window. I mean that you that is the window. I mean, you can't just say, "Well, I'm, I'm going to take senior status now, and then we'll get another uh, judge confirmed post haste." I mean, particularly with the process that Democrats have been putting us through. Uh, there is a pipeline, and it takes a while, and we've got to move as as quickly as we can. And this is why I say I hope that we can continue to uh, to press the pace, p- even pick up the pace in the Judiciary Committee. And uh, while it's why it's so important to get this rule change on the floor and uh, begin to move through these judges even more quickly.
1: Last question on this: 37 Circuit Court judges approved. Obviously, a Supreme Court vacancy, if it occurs, goes to the top of the pile, but uh 37 i think you can get to 50 maybe 55 possibly even 60 appointees by the end of next term uh, by the end of this congress do you agree josh holly
2: yeah i do i think that is i think it's absolutely possible and i think that that ought to be our goal and uh again there are certain circuits that we we need to prioritize and one of them is the ninth uh there are a number of vacancies there including uh the, the vacant seat uh, left by uh judge kaczynski and uh, that is those are important seats. And so I, I think, we've, again, we've got to we have to press forward here. And uh, you used the word originalist just a moment ago, Hugh, and I want to just underscore that. You know, it's not just any judges that we're putting on the bench here. And I'm not going to vote for just any judge. Uh, I want to be clear. I'm going to vote for judges uh, who believe in the Constitution, who are originalists. Uh, who do not believe in the flawed and failed doctrine known as substantive due process. I've I've made that clear already. I'm going to hold to that. I think it's very important. Uh, We've got to get judges on there who are going to adhere to the text and structure of the Constitution the way the people wrote it.
1: Now, you got into a little tussle with the Wall Street Journal, and I was leaning on you, too, but for different reasons over Naomi Rao. You ended up voting for her. I don't mind that in committee at all. I think it's great to press these nominees about what they believe, and we should not mistake serious, hard questioning for opposition to renewing the judiciary, Uh, and I I hope you keep doing that. That's my applause to you to press hard and ask tough questions and get good judges. Let me switch, though. Lindsey Graham, your chairman, has said he needs an investigation of what happened in the FBI in 2016, and uh, John Cornyn and Tom Cotton came on this show, and they said we need to look at... The FBI in 2016, just the very top, you know, the struck page McCabe gang and Comey. And we got to look at the intelligence community, and that would include both uh, John Brennan, CIA and, and Jim Clappers NS, uh, na- and uh, Directorate of Central uh, National Intelligence and the National Security Agency. What do you think, Josh Hawley?
2: Yeah, I'm, I agree. I mean, I, I am I have said that I believe that we need a special counsel. We also need oversight hearings. <laughs> it's not either or. It's both. And. And, uh, look, I, I, I said – I demanded answers to you from the FBI. I sent them a letter. sent them two letters now, actually, particularly on this uh, counterintelligence investigation that Andy McCabe has told the world about, that we've learned about, uh, that they launched against the president of the United States. You know, This is a spy. I mean, counterintelligence is a spy investigation that they launched against the president uh, because, from what we can tell, they disliked his foreign policy stance. I mean, it's extraordinary. You talk about a separation of powers crisis. That's one – right there. So I've, I've demanded answers from the FBI. They've stonewalled me. Uh, they've, they have, they have tried to uh, just completely shut out, uh, me and my staff. So I said, look, if it takes a special counsel then to get up in their business, then that's what we need to do. And Congress, we need to put these people under oath, uh, bring them in, put them before the cameras and make them answer questions. But yes, I mean, we cannot allow what has happened in the last two years to happen again. To any other president. And as a, as a constitutional lawyer, I could say my big concern here is the, the appropriate functioning of our Constitution. And the, the elected representatives, the president, the elected members of Congress, they're the ones who are supposed to be, on behalf of the people, managing our government, not unelected agents, uh, whether that's the political leadership at the FBI or anybody else.
1: Now, I'll conclude this way I believe the high watermark of the resistance. Uh, as day one was for the Confederacy, was last Thursday before the Mueller report dropped. And now I believe that President Trump is like Grant in 1864-65. He's going to fight on that line all summer. He's going to pursue them to the end uh, because the resistance is shattered and they are demoralized and they are broken. Do you agree with my assessment?
2: Yeah, I do think that you've seen a massive sea change here. I mean, they, and nobody, he, you talk about the resistance is not just elected Democrats. I mean, the resistance has its real home of the liberal media. And the media has been shown up to the, to the greatest extent of my lifetime. I'm 39 years old this year. I mean, to the greatest extent of my lifetime, they have been shown to be horrifically partisan, uh, to have uh, perpetrated and perpetuated Uh, A series of falsehoods, and in many cases to have done it it knowingly, all because they hate this president, they disagree with him politically, and they do anything to take him down. And so I think they're going to face a major crisis of confidence, uh, which they deserve, and uh, the Democrat Party is facing a major crisis of identity now and and the policy, uh, which they deserve. And it's incumbent upon us, and the president, by the way, said this when he visited the Republican senators uh, this past week. He said, now it's our time to push forward, to continue to push forward and to lead this country, to show the American people what we're for. He's exactly right, and that's why I'm extremely optimistic about the next two years. And the next four after that.
1: Josh Hawley, it is always a pleasure, Senator. I look forward to seeing you in person this summer inside the Beltway. Congratulations on taking up your role. And actually, it's like Baker Mayfield joining the Judiciary Committee, friends. Josh Hawley, thank you, Senator Hawley. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. Our program is coming today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy.